You're listening to Wake Up with Patty Catter, where we're overcoming trials with triumphs. Now, here's your host, Patty Catter. Hello, everybody. Today, I have Stanley Wrigley on the show. Stanley, welcome. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Um, all of you who listen know that I don't sugar fluff anything at the beginning of my shows. I just want Stanley to go ahead and um, start using this platform. Well, I appreciate that. I don't often get that opportunity except at home with my wife. So, uh, um, and even she's not all that receptive to uh, to my pontifications. Uh, but I'm a professor of um, business at, uh, at the Drexel University here in West Philadelphia. And um, I teach strategy, I teach entrepreneurship, I teach uh, management, managing information technology, that sort of thing. And uh, my, I, my PhD is in international relations and strategy, and my international MBA from Temple uh, is uh, in just that, it's in international uh, relations. And as a, a result of all of this, you know, I teach abroad, I've taught in China, in Russia, in, in, in France, in India, and uh, Colombia and Spain. And so that kind of leavens my perspective. It brought, has broadened my perspective over the years. And um, uh, but I, in all of my travels and all of my lectures and all of my um, meeting of various people, I've I've come to the conclusion, of course, that the American University, the Enlightenment University, based on logic and reason and scientific method and progress to help improve the human condition, is one of the greatest creations uh, that the uh, the West has ever managed. And that creation, the Western-style university, uh, the Enlightenment University, is under attack. And it has been under attack for some time. Um, it's been under attack in the past, but the, those attacks were fended off. This attack is almost coming from within. And that's what my book, Brutal Minds, is just published, Brutal Minds, is all about. But on a more, prof- I would say not as less profound, but on a profound individual level, my book explains to concerned parents why, right after they send their kids off to college, they come home during that first Thanksgiving break, seemingly a different person, alienated, angry, angry at their parents, angry for, for no discernible reason. And most parents, I think, tend to think, well, this is just a process of growing up, you know, growing pains, that kind of thing, and entering adulthood when it's anything but. It is the your son or daughter who is angry and alienated is the product of what I've discerned as a brainwashing process on the college campuses. That word brainwashing is a trigger word for some people who say, oh, well, I don't know about that. Well, it's simply a, a euphemism for what we call thought reform in the realm of psychology. Uh, thought reform and brainwashing means attacking a person's sense of self and sense of identity uh, to, in order to change that person's belief system. And then once that belief system is changed, replaced with a more salutary belief system, according to the diktats of the folks on our campuses, then that belief system is then cemented or it is refrozen, to use the terminology, so that there's no backsliding. And that new belief system is reinforced uh, with respect to 24-7 messaging on the college campuses. And that's what Brutal Minds is all about. It exposes all of that. And it, it traces the decline of higher education in the last 20 years in particular. And most important, I think, it shows what we can do to stop it. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I remember when my son was in college, he said, I don't think I can tolerate this teacher anymore because all they're doing is pushing their agenda and their political views on us. And if we disagree, then we're treated badly. And 
So um, I can definitely testify to college students having that pressure. Um, isn't it funny how teachers think that they should teach um, children the way that they need to believe instead of letting their parents do that job? Well, you know, that's um, that's the conundrum we face right now. And there's a great struggle going on right now with respect to the hearts and minds of our own children uh, as they're sent off to primary, secondary schools. Um, uh, teachers who are pushing this type of social educational learning, social emotional learning uh, and critical race theory and other kinds of ideology that's uh, now popular, uh, they're trained in the same places that many of the folks on our college campuses in the bureaucracy are trained as well. They are trained in this. It's not a, an accident. It's not a kind of a smorgasbord of, of who knows what you're going to face on the college campus, who knows what you're going to face in the uh, secondary schools. No, we know exactly what they're going to face because it is purposeful. It is intentional. And I described this in, in Brutal Minds. I showed the mechanism. You know, a lot of people say and this word has been bandied around uh, quite a bit too often, I think, the word conspiracy theory. Everything nowadays is a conspiracy theory if you don't agree with it. That seems to be the definition. I don't agree with it. That must be a conspiracy theory. Well, if I to give an example, if I were to tell you, you, know, you notice that to say that you know your paycheck every month is not as, as great, it's not as you know substantial as it should be because someone seems to be taking money out of your paycheck. And you and uh I described to you, well, it's the government's confiscating your wealth. Oh, that's a conspiracy. You're a conspiracy theorist. But you don't say that because it's fairly transparent, you know, process. You know the bureaucracy that's set up, call the IRS. They take that money out. You know, you know how much money is going to be coming out. They tell you the percentage of it. And you get a report. And you know that there's an enforcement mechanism that makes sure that that money is collected and you have to file every year. So the process is entirely transparent. So this disappearance of your money is there's no conspiracy. There's no magic. There's no plot. Now, when I explained to people that what's going on in higher education is a result, not of a conspiracy, it doesn't have to be a conspiracy. It is a result of specific bureaucratic mechanisms that I described three in particular that ensure that this type of, uh, ideological inculcation 24-7 goes on on the college campuses. And it ensures that on campuses as you know disparate as Duke University, Florida, University of Florida, Berkeley, Chicago, University of Alabama, Nevada, uh, all of these colleges, well, how could it possibly be the same? Well, the bureaucrats who are running these programs all, almost without exception, come out of schools of education. They are graduates of graduate programs called student affairs, educational management, educational leadership, higher education management. When you see those words and you see the graduate programs, you know that the folks coming out of those programs have been, I would say, inculcated in a crypto Maoist uh, philosophy. It is, there's no doubt of this. The Most of the primary uh, thinkers who inform education theory are Marxists. They, they say this. It's not something that I'm coming up with. They, they're proud of this. I'm talking about Henry Giroux, talking about Apollo Frere, Ira Shore. Uh, these are all, uh, even bell hooks. The uh, the novelist was an educationist. These are all Marxists. Uh, they uh, say this amongst themselves. They don't come out and you know, breastbeat to us that, oh, well, we're Marxists and we have a Marxist program in, in the education schools. They don't say that. But it's this is what the reality is. There's really no disagreement with that. They send these graduates of these programs up and into, back into the universities, into positions created 
just for them in student affairs and higher education administration, where they run, and this is going to be news to a lot of your listeners, they run a co-curriculum. This exists on almost every campus. It's called the co-curriculum. I teach in the curriculum. Okay, a lot of my, you know, physics and, and I teach in business, economics and history. That's the curriculum. There is a co-curriculum that most people have never heard of, but it exists under that name on almost all campuses in America. Who teaches in this co-curriculum? Well, aside from a smattering of you know, left-wing exotic faculty, it's mainly bureaucrats. And they teach in this, it's fake courses, fake faculty. Some schools even give a fake curriculum, according to the workshops that are given in these this co-curriculum. Rutgers University gives a fake transcript. St. John's University gives a fake transcript. It's an amazing thing. It's, it's, a, it's the way that bureaucrats can message students 24-7. And the message is all the same. In the curriculum, you know that we have a variety, uh, economics and, and history and philosophy, and there's a variety. Uh, but in the co-curriculum, there is no variety because they're all taught by these educationists who have come out of education schools. Now, you're asking yourself, perhaps, what about these education schools? How, how do they have this lockstep ideology and how are they all the same? Well, where do the standards come from? You know, from from come from to uh, dictate to education schools how they'll they will teach. Those education schools um, receive their standards, or their standards are crafted for them by an outside group called two of them called the ACPA or the uh, NASPA. These are professional associations of who student affairs professionals who are in our colleges. These are the professional groups who then take this. They're they're hotbeds of ideology. Uh, I'm. I'm a member of both of them, so I can monitor their their what they do. They're hotbeds of ideology. It's left-wing, radical ideology wants to change the character of our higher education system. One of the groups, the ACPA's motto, is boldly transforming higher education. Boldly transforming higher education, making it safe for Mao and Marx. So this is what they do. Okay? And these are the folks who craft the standards for the higher education programs, the advanced degree programs in education schools. So you see we have a circle of vice, education schools, the bureaucracy, off-campus clubs feeding right back into the education schools. This is what is so, I think it's brilliant. If you're, if you're on their side, it would be a brilliant uh, uh, development. But for those of us who believe the university should be a repository, the best that has been thought and said, that we should pass on this patrimony to subsequent generations so that they can build upon that to improve the human condition, our, the lives we have, you know, live on, on this earth. It's a real problem. And it's a problem that I address forthrightly uh, in detail. And I shows how we can probably crack the monopoly of these, uh, of these bureaucracies. So how did you start getting involved in your line of work? Well, you know, it all depends on how you, uh, what you call my line of work. My line of work is teaching business. I love business. Uh, it's the creation of wealth. Uh, we take uh, raw materials, resources, and we do something to them, the managerial process, and we turn them into something more valuable. Um, and then we try to produce this new wealth in a way that makes people want to, uh, and wealth is basically what we want. And we want to produce it in a way that people want to buy it at a price they're willing to pay. And to me, that's kind of, um, it's, it's almost metaphysical in the sense that we're, we're making wealth and we're making people's lives better. And I'm not going to make something unless it's going to make someone's life better. And how, I, how do I determine that? Well, people 
tell me. I want that. And I'm willing to pay this much for it. And and I and they believe that it's going to make their life better. I don't determine that for them, which is a what uh, collectivists do, which is what um, folks who are who are socialists do, what a lot of people on my college campus want to do, because uh, we all they all want to be the the boss and to determine. So I'm a I'm basically a, if you had to pin me down politically, I'd be a libertarian political. You know, Inside, I, I believe in let live and let live. I want people to live the the fullest lives they possibly can according to their own dictates. Um, I would I, I I call myself as part of my brand the last Republican professor um, because um, there's not a lot of people like me on the college campuses. I believe in the Weberian or Max Weber's conception of the university that the classroom is a neutral arena where ideas can vie uh, for uh, acceptance or rejection. Um, and I believe in the Enlightenment University, where it's, we've expunged fable and fiction and uh, from the university. And so this kind of environment, uh, really, I find really fascinating. Uh, the university is full of uh, unusual personalities, as you well know. Uh, and I, I find I don't find them off-putting. I, I, I enjoy listening to what they have to say. The problem that I have, which led me to writing Brutal Minds, was what I was what I perceived as a takeover that occurred, that accelerated, I should say, in the summer of 2020 with the death of George Floyd. And what we find is that universities, led by their presidents, because they're, you know, they're testing the wind, you know, the open window that was presented to universities to the left uh, by the death of George Floyd uh, was an opportunity they couldn't let pass. We had all kinds of strange doctrines and people racing into the university to establish programs even in places like my own university, where we have nothing to do with this, what went on in Minnesota with the death of George Floyd, but we're supposed to, to you know, accept some sort of guilt uh, in this as kind of a universal guilt. No, I reject that. And I rejected every aspect of our own university and universities in the area that, that somehow we are complicit in that particular atrocity that occurred three years ago. Um, so that animated me. Someone had to step up. Someone had to say, look, this is what's happening. This progression on the university's campus has accelerated. The threats from academic freedom are not coming from Ron DeSantis down in Florida or the Florida legislature or, or Texas or in Iowa or in Virginia. The threat is, you know, the enemy is inside the wire. I'm, I'm a former military guy, military intelligence guy, so I talk that way. The enemy is inside the wire behind us. The threat to academic freedom comes from the totalitarians, the authoritarians in the DEI bureaucracy, in the bureaucracy of student affairs. They are the ones who are trying to exert control over what faculty say, do, what we research. Um, and if we don't watch out, that if we neglect what's going on behind us right out there, then we'll find at one point, uh, some point, we will either lose our job, we will find ourselves having to commit to loyalty oaths, we'll have to submit our research programs to a bureaucracy filled with people from the education school, that sort of thing. So that's kind of a long-winded way of answering your question of how I came to where I am and doing what I'm doing now. My primary function, of course, is teaching business, how to succeed in a modern industrial society. My, um, I'm also the faculty advisor for Turning Point USA, here at uh, here at Drexel, which is a very fine group, uh, and have lots of patriotic students, and I have lots of I'm kind of a lightning rod for lots of students who come to me with issues on the college campus that nowhere else can they find a solution. So that's my answer. 
Um, tell me more about Brutal Minds. What would we find inside of your book when we go to read it? Well, first of all, my book is not a chronicle of all the outrages on college campuses that we're all aware of. It's not a professor watch list, that kind of thing. Um, the most frustrating thing for me as an author about Brutal Minds is that most of our good people on our side of the culture wars think they understand the problem on higher, of higher education. They think they know the problem. Oh, I don't need to read another, another tract on outrages. I know what the problem is and I know who the culprit is. No, you don't. The culprit, by and large, is not these rowdy Twitter celebrity faculty members who only have students in their classes for a certain period of time during the day. And there are not a whole lot of these faculty. You know, but the problem is the bureaucracies on every college campus. And what you'll find in Brutal Minds is a description of who these people are, where they're located, how you can identify them, what they're doing. I describe the co-curriculum. I describe the student affairs bureaucracy. In other words, I give a uh, truthful, uh, a uh, an elaborate uh, schema of who the people are who are bringing down higher education. And finally, what we can do about it. When I say we, I'm referring to parents, donors, alumni. If uh, boards of trustees would wake up and, and look at the presidents they're supporting, perhaps even they could play a role. But there, there are two things I offer here. One is the long-term solution how we can turn the uh, the ship around. Uh, and that's going to take some time. But if you're a parent with a, uh, a son or a daughter in, in college, and they've come home with that, you know, the anger in their belly, the fire in the belly, they've learned something at school that has alienated them against you, or turned you against you, then I offer immediate solutions as well, which I think is what people really want. Practical solutions to find the problem. And here are some practical solutions. And if a, this copy of this book were in the hands of every entering college freshman, having read it, of course, and were they to implement what I've recommended that they do by identifying their rights, identifying you know some practical things they can do. You don't have to be an activist. Just do this sort of civil disobedience kind of thing. We would see a sea change in higher education. We would stymie these uh, bureaucrats in their tracks. And so that's what I offer. I offer a definitive account of the real problem in higher education. Why and why, if we don't face this problem, anything we do over here misidentifying the problem is going to be a waste of our time. We're going to be frustrated. We need to attack these people right here. I should tell you, you know, I uh was at a conference, a homeschooling conference, and uh, I talked to a, a young woman by the name of Mrs. Mrs. Ramos. She had a, I say young woman she's younger compared to me, but she had a number of kids who were in college and some on their way to college, a couple on their way to college. And she she bought my book and I saw her the next day. And my gosh, she had already read the first three chapters. She showed it to me. I saw her in the hallway there. She showed it to me. She had annotated and written down the things here. And she's she slapped the page. This is it. This is it. This is what I, I see now. I, I see the problem. I went online and I looked at the university, the ones that I'm thinking about. And I looked for what you told me to look for. And my gosh, it was there. There it is. It's invisible if you're not looking for it because there's nothing there to to catch your eye. It's all very boilerplate. It's all very benign, anodyne. You know, it doesn't. It's, but when you know what to look for, you know the trigger words, the keywords, the markers for ideology. Bam! It's right there. You see it. You go, my gosh! I can't believe my school is doing this sort of thing. 
But you know, but you're not going to go there because you're going to the faculty. Oh, look at the radical faculty wearing a beret. He's got a goatee. You know, he's got he's taking on. He's interested in uh, various uh, feminist ideologies, uh, postmodernism, that kind of thing. My, he's the enemy. Well, maybe. But what we know for a fact is the less educated, the the more stolid. I call them stooges. Uh, they're they're kind of partially educated, but they think they're working. If they believed in angels, you know, the angels would be on their side. But, you know, they don't really believe in angels. Uh, and so this, I think, is part of the the the, the issue. It's kind of holistic. And I offer a solution uh, to the, the problem. And I hope that um, uh, a copy can find its way into the hands of every college student and they read. And, and who knows? Some are going to reject it. I, I think that the the most of them will go, my gosh, this is exactly what is happening at my college. And here's how I can stop it. Where can people find your book? Well, you can find it on Amazon. And I highly recommend going on Amazon and leaving a good review so we can counter those trolls that come on there and give bad reviews. You know, find it on Amazon. You can go to my website, brutalminds.com, uh, and find some of my writings that are based on the on the book and some of the writing that the book has been drawn from. You can also go to Barnes & Noble. For now, it's up front. You know, it's up front in the store. It's new nonfiction. Book just came out. Um, but uh, but again, you can go online most any place and, and find everywhere fine books are sold. That's amazing. One question I ask all of my guests on my show is what is one trial you've had and how did you overcome that trial or are you still working on it? This can be in your personal life, your business life, whatever. You know, I have had to overcome and I don't know if I've overcome it, um, the inclination to be selfish. Um, and I, 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 this is just what comes to mind. Okay. I, I'm an only child. Okay. I grew up in a military family, moved around a whole lot. Um, not a child of privilege by any, any, any stretch. And, um, I was, uh, you know, living a kind of a college lifestyle coming out of college as a young journalist, you know, and I, for some, and I can't remember, I think it might have been William Buckley. I read one of his columns or a letter that he wrote that kind of hit, struck me is, you know, you're wasting your life doing this stuff. You need to take a stand on these things. You need to take seriously philosophy and, and art. And you need, so I, I went back to school. I went back to uh, school and learned Russian. I went into the military. I was a military intelligence uh, officer, a Russian linguist. Came out with the Duke University, got my PhD. So I, I kind of turned myself around. But I, I recognize that if you think, if you think about what I said about business and why I'm in business, business is really altruistic because people take a risk to create something they think that people want, and if people don't want it, well, they go, they go bankrupt. And I have no guarantee that you're going to buy my stuff. I say, I'll say, uh, I'll say, Patty, hey, I want you to buy my my brand new carved wooden whistle, and he said, I don't want that. And I've, I've wasted my time. So I have to listen to you and I have to do for you. And we have to engage in fruitful exchange. And that's how all of us benefit. And that, um, if you're selfish, if you're selfish, I think that you, that leads you to, to, to socialism. That leads you to the collectivist mindset um, that you want uh, you want everything to be distributed equally in a certain sense. And that's because that'll make you feel good. It'll make you feel good. You're not doing it because you think that everyone should have the same amount. No, I'll feel good. If no one has anything, you know, more than I do, you know, give or take a few pennies. So I think that overcoming selfishness and recognizing the sanctity of the individual and achieving uh, a, a peace of mind with one's faith. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Um, 
you know, it's funny out of 17 years of podcasting, only three guests on my show said, you know, I'm still kind of working on it. And it was you and the last two guests on my show. Well, well, we're all, I guess we're seeing there's a lot of challenges to what we're doing now. And yeah, I, I don't think that you're going to uh, ever overcome the, the the inclination to be selfish. And, and uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean share everything. It simply means recognizing that, that, you don't that you don't exist by yourself in this world and that you have a loyalty to your family and to your friends right absolutely thank you so much for being on the show is there anything else that you would like to add well i no i i i i'm just uh, humbled by the reaction to the book that's been favorable um and uh i've uh put my heart and soul in the book and i and what i truly believe to be uh to be uh a, a a description of the problem, a solution to the problem. And I hope it benefits uh, even a handful of people, but I hope that it really benefits a lot of college students and primarily their parents. Because I think it's a solution to what parents have been looking for to say, here's what's happened to my child. Here's how I can intervene to preserve the investment of love that I have given to my child for 18 years, sending him off to college and then be kind of have a peace of mind that the university is not going to undo what I did. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Y'all, if you're watching this, you can see the links on the screen. Um, be sure to share this show with all of your friends, especially if they have college students or children that are going to be going to college and um, pick up the book, Brutal Minds. Thank you, Dr. Wrigley, so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you and I wish you the very best. You're doing a really great thing um, by, you know, helping these families even really, you know, the college children and the parents kind of understand each other and what's going on. Yeah, I, I thank you for the opportunity for sharing and I hope it uh, touches the lives of, of of at least one person. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, thank you all and have a great uh, rest of your day. Thank you for listening. Please head over to pattycatter.com for the latest updates on Patty, her talk show, and what she's up to. You can also find her on Amazon TV and Roku and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Patty Catter. Until next time.